there's no reason to be putting your videos on any other platform than YouTube because it is so incredibly search friendly. DigitalMarketingRadio.com. The big interview with David Bay. What does great video content marketing look like in 2014? What's best? Publishing shorter videos more often or publishing longer videos less frequency? And is it feasible for just about any business to be producing their own videos? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to be asking our special guest today, Amy Schmitter. Amy, welcome to DMR. Thank you so much for having me, David. Thanks for joining us. Well, Amy's the president of Vlogboss Studios, a creative digital agency specialising in video content marketing. She's also founder and face of SavvySexySocial.com, a video blog which helps SMBs and content creators to develop and execute a social media marketing strategy. So, Amy, what are the main facets of great video content marketing? I think the most important thing is that people don't realize how important their audience is to their content development. A lot of people want to just go out and start making videos that they love themselves. But the reality is you need to remember who you are trying to attract with your content and make something specifically for them. When you do that, you just become a a better video creator overall. You are making highly targeted information that is valuable to your audience. And you're even talking to the camera, even like you're in person with somebody. So it just makes you a better creator when you think specifically about who your audience is and who your avatar is, and you're making really, really relevant content that way. So I think as long as you're keeping that person in mind at all times, you're off to a really, really good start. Right, okay, that's interesting you mentioned avatar and person in mind there, because obviously I've heard that marketing advice before. When you're actually putting together your content to begin with, you should be thinking about one particular individual. Is is, is that what you're meaning by that? Yeah, I mean, you want to be as specific as possible. A lot of people think of a general audience, but the more specific you can be, the better you're going to be. A lot of uh, people think that that will limit you, but the reality is even if your audience is uh, a very, very specific one, it doesn't mean that you can't help more people than that. There may be others that come in because of that. I mean, for instance, I hear this example a lot. Red Bull has a very specific audience and it's very adventurous, young young men who (laughs) love like these crazy sports and like doing flips on skateboards and crazy stuff like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that what they do in a marketing uh, respect and the product that they have does not necessarily reach other people. But they know very specifically who they want to talk to so they can stay very aligned with their brand. When you do that, it's not that you're limiting yourself. You're actually making it much more likely that you'll have a very highly targeted audience. So you really, if you can think of one person, describe them to the fullest, explain their day, talk about what their daily life is like, what struggles are they going through so that you're thinking of that person every time you turn the camera on and it just feels like the content is made for them. When you're actually focusing on that one individual, does that mean it's that perception of what that individual's like um, will mean how long you make your videos and um, um, everything you include your videos. So, I mean, some videos are obviously a few seconds long, possibly, and and some are even several hours long. Is there an ideal length of content that you've found is working more effectively at the moment? 
That's a really interesting question. I don't think that it will dictate the exact length of a video, but I do think that it will help you figure out what the content is meant to be. And the content will dictate how long a video needs to be. So uh, you shouldn't be creating like a 10 minute video. If you're creating content for people that if they stumble upon you, they're getting information they need. Ideally, you can sum sum something up very much quicker than that. My videos, for instance, are never longer than about five minutes unless there's a lot to talk about. And if there is, then you need to be filling every minute of that time with that content. It really can't be a situation of just going on for 10 to 15 minutes. It's very difficult to be discovered on these social video platforms when you just kind of drone on forever. You want to stay as short as possible, but That means if it needs to be longer because it takes a little bit more explaining, that's fine. But you really need to look at a subject if it gets to be too long of a video and say, okay, could this have been more than one topic? Should I have made this into more than one video? Because as succinct and specific as you can be, the more likely you're actually going to be found for that content in the first place because of what people are Googling or searching YouTube for. Right, okay. And I am very guilty about making videos too long because... um, Hopefully this is still number one. Um, if you actually search YouTube for digital marketing, a, a seminar that I do on digital marketing is number one. And um, that's that, that has brought in quite a few visitors and views to me. But obviously mm-hmm. if I had broken that down into so many different topics, I mean that video is over an hour and a half long. And um, there's so much more audience, I suppose potentially I could have targeted by having different keyword terms, obviously in titles and descriptions, um, but just having maybe 50 different videos instead of one. So that's probably a lesson to be learned there. Absolutely. I mean, I would be really interested to look at that video and see what the audience retention is for the entire time of the video. It must be very good because it's if it's still ranking number one, then that's a sign to YouTube that they want to rank it highly. But it's also an opportunity, maybe taking that video and breaking it up into pieces where you talk about different things specifically so that you can give it a title that's very specific to that that information that you're saying in just that couple of minutes or whatever it is. So yeah, you want to be as specific as possible because you have to think about what what are people searching for? What do people want to know? And a lot of times it's very, very specific questions and they're just trying to see what they can find in the realm of that question to see if they're on target. And if you can help show them that they're on target without them not even, you know, get, getting confused. Maybe they didn't know to search for what you titled your video because it's a, an ex, it's an overall arching theme of a longer conversation. That's where you start to lose opportunities. So yeah, being very um, specific and short is good. Okay. And um, obviously being involved in the digital industry or being involved in marketing, you're more likely to be comfortable at producing videos or more excited at learning new technologies. But what about for more traditional businesses? Do you think it's reasonable to be expecting them to be producing their own videos? You know, it's difficult because it, there's still not very many industries that video is <laughs> is being done well. Mm. Um, so I think it's it's tough to have an expectation, but I certainly think there is possibility for that. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could could have been saying the same thing about um, publishing web pages ten years sure. ago, um, because the majority of businesses wouldn't have been doing that then. So give it another um, few years, and um, there will be a lot more embracement. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because I think that people want to embrace it, but it's at, at the same time that's a big it's a big jump between embracing it and implementing it, and people can get very shut down and um, isolated when they start thinking of all the things that they need to do in order to make a video, and a lot of people 
people are thinking about a lot more than they even need to do. Um, so it's it's an interesting gap in between um, something as simple as using your smartphone and full-blown video production quality. There's a lot in between that, and that means there's a lot of possibility for you to do something that's impressive but not necessarily um, out of your league because video is so within reach. No, that's a great point because it's so much easier now to make great quality videos just with your smartphone. If you tried mm-hmm. tried making videos with your phone five years ago, it just would have been ludicrous and not really a good annoying. representation. It would have been very annoying. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. So it's quite interesting also that um, your brands, you've got t- two main brands that, that I know of, certainly, Blog- uh, Vlogboss Studios and Savvy Sexy Social. Um, so you've got the social and, and video aspects in there. Do you think video has to be really social and encourage engagement and encourage sharing uh, sharing on the different social networks? Absolutely. I think that's the that's the one thing that we have above a lot of other traditional media is the fact that we can engage much faster and in the same in the same space. So, uh, the reason why YouTube and creators on the platform have had such amazing successes because they're so accessible to their audience. So if you don't show that you want to be accessible by your audience, then you're basically like an old school TV program where, you know, whether you like it or not, the show is going to be on and you watch it. You may not ever have contact with those people on TV or the people that created it. Now that's changed now because a lot of TV stars are using social media while they're um, airing a show. And that really helps for ratings for TV, but social and online video are the ones that really started that movement and showed that we could make celebrities out of absolutely anyone, someone in a bedroom with a camera, because they have the ability to rally their audience and engage with them anytime in real time. So, you know, it's really important to me that if I have the availability, I I post a video and I stick around the comments for a little while and I watch Twitter because my audience knows that's where I'm hanging out after I post. And if they have questions, you know, I try to get to everything anyway, but soon after I want them to know that I'm hanging out. I didn't just abandon them. And that really helps engage the audience to come back and continue to want more from me because they know I'm not just dropping the mic and walking away. I like how a lot of mainstream television shows are doing things like using hashtags and actually starting to understand social media a little bit better now because that was only a dream six or seven years ago. Internet marketing was something separate, but now it's integrated as part of the overall marketing mix. And and that's exciting. Yeah, very exciting and good on them because it's great marketing and TV can use all the help it can get. (laughs) Now, you also mentioned YouTube. Um, Now, is YouTube just the only place to be or are there places, is it worthwhile uploading your video to other sites like Vimeo or perhaps even using a player like Wistia or using your own hosted video instead? So I guess it depends on what you want. If your video is a piece of art that should only be seen by select few, then Vimeo is a great place to be. Um, same thing with your own player or Wistia or whatever. Maybe you have analytics there that YouTube doesn't have to offer, but if you want to be discovered, then you shouldn't be anywhere but YouTube right now. I mean, or, unless we're talking about 15 second or six second video, and then we're talking about Instagram and Vine. But bottom line is that Google owns YouTube. And if you're looking for people to find you for what you're good at and what you have to offer, there's no reason to be putting your videos on any other platform than YouTube because it is so incredibly search friendly. 
What about a few tips in terms of actually driving those views, though? Um, what's the most important aspect um, of optimizing your video and ensuring that um, you kickstart it in terms of generating some initial views? I mean, obviously, I'm aware that um, things like um, having keyword phrases in the title and description and perhaps driving a few initial views if you've, if you've got some kind of database that you can drive people towards your videos. Um, but are there any other tips that you can actually give to get your videos as optimized as possible? Well, the first tip is something we already talked about, and that's to be as specific and succinct as possible so that your videos are answering the questions that people want to know and not these long winded, you know, preach, preach on a soapbox type Mm. of thing. Um, And then next, if you really want to move the needle, whether you have a network of people to check out your videos or not, a fantastic way to grow on YouTube organically is by collaboration. And anytime that I've seen a leaps and bounds increase in my views and subscribership and additions to my email list is because I featured somebody who also has a following and who may have uh, common denominator people who would like to subscribe to me as well because they want to know the information I'm sharing. So really finding those opportunities to get people on camera who might be able to help you boost your brand is very, very big and a huge trend on YouTube, something I highly recommend. And you mentioned additions to your email list. Does that mean that you have a specific call to action that you'd recommend for the end of videos to encourage people to actually opt in for some kind of report or um, subscribe to your newsletter? I do ask people to subscribe to my newsletter. I think... um if you do anything at the end of your video, mm-hmm. you're doing a lot better than others. Most people ask them to subscribe to your YouTube channel, which is, of course, a fantastic thing. And it certainly helps your presence to be found on YouTube. But you have to remember the big picture is if somebody found you and they're watching your video, you need to get them to act where where it actually moves the needle for you. And for me, that's my email list. That way, if I have an opening for a client spot or if I have a product I have for sale, I have them in a place where I can get them to think about that. They're not thinking about it on Twitter. They're not thinking about it on Facebook. They're not thinking about it in the YouTube comments. So when that opportunity arises, I need them in a place where I can control the situation and let them know what's going on so they can think about it more seriously. And people are making sales decisions in their emails. That's just the bottom line. So yes, I think it's very, very important to get people off of a social platform and into a place where you own the contact information as quickly as possible. Maybe for you, that's mobile marketing. Maybe it's email marketing. Either way, you're getting them to subscribe in a way where if YouTube blew up one day, that you would still have contact information for those people who wanted to stay tuned to you. Great advice. And what about the type of video? Um, Is it necessary to actually have a video of you talking and and your face and um, you in the video? Or is it still effective now just to use screen capture software? If your business is based on showing people how to do things on the computer, then who needs a face? A screen capture software is fantastic. But the bottom line with video these days is that a face makes a lot of uh, things happen versus some something that's not as much of a personal connection. You People want to know who they're talking to. People want to know uh, who they trust. And just seeing your face and being able to put the name to the face and the voice and the advice and the thought leadership it's really, really great if you can share your face on camera because it just it just makes people feel like they're in the room with you. Right, okay. So it would be quite effective to maybe do a 10, 15 second introduction 
um, using your face and the camera directly to you and then do screen capture after that. Yes, absolutely. And this is something I talk about in um, my Zero to Pro Vlogger Boot Camp. It's so, so, so important that you use that first few seconds of the video for people to connect with you, not your title sequence, not your screen, whoever they are going to be listening to or seeing in the video for the duration of the time, they need to have that quick little introduction with you in the beginning. So if you watch any of my videos on Savvy Sexy Social, you'll see that every single video starts with my face. It might be a joke. It might actually be relevant to the video. Who knows? But it's still going to be me and you're just going to have that personal connection with me really quick. And then it goes into the title sequence, which is really no longer than about three seconds. And then we go straight into the content. You want to get started on content within the first 10 seconds because that's as, that's about the time that you uh, will lose most of your viewers. If you don't have a good um, opener and having that personal connection helps a great deal. Wonderful. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take one of your videos from YouTube, if it's okay, and embed it within the transcript of the magazine um, so the reader can see exactly what you're talking about there. Absolutely. Any <laughs> video would be a great example of that because I never skip a beat on that intro. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it's now time to move uh, on to part two of our discussion, and that focuses on your thoughts on where digital marketing's been and where it's going. And that starts with... Software I couldn't live without. What software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact the success of your business? FreshBooks, mm. by far. And I don't know if we can consider that software. I, I guess uh, I just that's the first one I think of because I think when you're a creative, your accounting is so much of a pain. And I'm a creative, so I don't like to do numbers and I hate making invoices. But FreshBooks has been the most godsend of a platform as ever because I can see everything. I can see all my reports. I can easily make invoices. Invoices get created by themselves when I set them up. It's fantastic. Um, in terms of like downloadable, can't live without uh, software, that would be Adobe Premiere Pro because that's what I do all of my editing with. And a slightly tougher question, what software don't you use but you've meant to try? You've heard good things about maybe and you've meant to try in the future. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> okay, so this is going to sound funny. So I, I've downloaded Adobe Premiere Pro through the Adobe Creative Cloud. They give you the ability to subscribe to the cloud so you can use any of their platforms um, just by pay paying a monthly fee. So I didn't pay for Premiere Pro. I basically rent it from, there, from them, and it's fantastic. But that gives me the ability to use everything in the Adobe Suite, and I haven't used anything else. What's funny is early on um, in my ghetto website making career, I discovered a platform called GIMP, which is basically like a fake Photoshop. Mm. And because I got into such a swing of using it, I've never actually tried Photoshop, wow. even though I'm paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I kind of wish I was using Photoshop, but I just have been such a swing of using GIMP that I'm not using Photoshop at all, which is fine with me because I'm not a designer and I don't need new things to learn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, I first tried Photoshop in the year 2000, I think it was. So. Oh my God, <laughs> I've been avoiding it for a long time. <laughs> I'll tell you another website that's great for editing photos and very or quite similar to Photoshop, and that's Pixlr, um, P-I-X-L-R.com. Um, so if you don't have Photoshop, then that's, that's quite worthwhile trying out as well. I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Oh, wow. What a good question. I think um, if I'm thinking about my first client, 
It was a really, really great client because it was a uh, basically a magazine for farmers markets, sustainable food, all that fancy stuff when it comes to being like a foodie. So there's just tons of content about it out into the world. Um, and it's a local company. And at one point, there was a donation to their organization by our newly elected governor. And I posted about it on the Facebook page for the company. And then quickly, there were a lot of comments who were of people who were not of that uh, political party. And there was just a lot of flack for that particular person's um, donation. So I think about that because at first I was defending it quite a lot because I thought this is really great news for this particular organization and nobody's receiving it well, but it's a great piece of content that we can be sharing with the audience. And we did have to take it down because something that I would have done differently at this point and learned then is that there are a lot of conversations you just cannot be a part of. And you need to decide that as a brand. And politics and religion are two really good <laughs> ones that a lot of brands really shouldn't be a part of in terms of their social media conversations. So even when stuff like that happens, if you think it's going to be a hot button topic because of one of the things that you should not be talking about online, you really need to consider that before you're sharing it. Right. I thought that was the, the police coming to take you away behind you. Oh, there, I know. <laughs> they were good. Yeah. Welcome to downtown Columbus. <laughs> best advice I've ever received. What is the best piece of digital marketing advice? that you've ever received to charge more and pretty much everyone tells me that Mm. (laughs) um i learned that early on and i realized uh i still i i preach it and i feel like i act upon it but i still find that i could even be charging more for what i do i think a lot of creatives have a tendency to undervalue it uh in terms of what they have to offer and and the services that they provide and when you do that you don't do your best work or you're counting the minutes and you're counting the hours. And it's so unfortunate when you need to, when you need to do that, when you feel the need to do that, when the alternative is to have the best possible client paying you exactly what you feel you deserve. So you can be the best consultant or person they've hired, regardless of what your title is. Um, so the best advice that I received early on and continue to receive and continue to tell other people is just to charge more because you're worth it. Absolutely. And especially if it's just your time that you're charging for and you're you're not um, selling a product that, that, that could perhaps do the work on your behalf and people buy it um, in their own time and you don't have to do anything to make that transaction happen. If it's, if it's all about you, then you absolutely need to make sure that you're bringing the right level of profitability into your business. Your time is just the most valuable asset. So you just should not be undervaluing it ever because everybody else will. The this or that round. Okay, this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Try not to think about the answer too much. I'm just looking for your gut reaction. Ready to go? Great. Email or Twitter? Twitter. Audio or video? Video. (laughs) Affiliates or display advertising? Affiliates. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Contact form. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. Local marketing or global marketing? Global marketing. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) You like my sound effects? I love it. (laughs) Which takes us on to... The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a digital marketing activity, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? 
I would fly all over the world as quickly as possible <laughs> and do video interviews with some of the greatest thought leaders by calling them saying, hey, I'm going to show up wherever you are just to get you on camera for a minute and ask you questions that my audience wants to know so that I have an instant amazing number of collaborations in different locations so my audience gets the best content while also getting to live vicariously through me, which is a fantastic combination and enjoy the travel experience because that's what I basically live for. That sounds like a good way of um, mixing up a little bit of work and pleasure. <laughs> yes, which I do frequently. <laughs> my number one takeaway. Well, Amy, you've lo offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? Just hit publish. If you're hesitant about video or blogging or anything, even posting a simple photo. Just hit publish because no matter what you think now, it's always going to get better. If you don't practice, it won't get better. It's not like I'm sharing my first videos with the world. They're not my favorite either. And that's because I've learned from mistakes and things I just wanted to get better. And therefore, my videos are much better now than they were when I started a long time ago because I learned what I wanted my brand to look like and I made those tweaks along the way. But by posting and publishing and not being afraid to share that journey with your audience, you just have a deeper connection with them and overall an even more amazing video presence or online presence. Wonderful. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. Thank you so much for your time and your focus and your willingness to give back. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? You can find out everything about what I do at the blog, SavvySexySocial.com. Wonderful. Well, thanks again, Amy. Thanks, David. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today on Digital Marketing Radio. Remember, you can get every interview before it's published as a podcast, delivered as a weekly digital magazine, automatically to your tablet or smartphone. And that's for Apple or Android. Just go to digitalmarketingradio.com for links to where you can subscribe and join the rest of the Digital Marketing Radio posse. Catch you again soon. Digital Marketing Radio, Digital Marketing Radio.